Welcome to the Her Sports Story podcast, where we share in the stories of former female athletes, connect on the transition out of sport, and create a space where the always an athlete tribe can come for connection and inspiration. I'm your host, Bethany Crouch, founder of the Her Sports Story blog and podcast, and former competitive gymnast of 15 years to an athlete advocate professional. It makes my heart so happy to connect in and share these former female athlete stories. And I am so grateful and excited that you are here to join us. Sport as a vehicle for healing. Magical teams that win championships. And living life and creating a life from a holistic approach for optimal wellness. That is what me and Lindsay Drennan chat about today on the podcast. I absolutely loved talking with Lindsay. We feel like we've known each other forever uh, and that we were just chatting as good friends. She talks about her sports story, some of her life experiences, and the work she does now. And what's so cool is from the outside looking in, Lindsay has designed her life to fit in each aspect that she truly enjoys. So if you're looking for a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of that BFF type of vibe, you've come to the right place. So enjoy this conversation with me and Lindsay. Lindsay, I'm so happy you are here today to chat with me and the Her Sports Story community. We had a chance to connect earlier, and again, like, this is per the norm where I could talk for hours, like, with another former athlete and just hear their story and their transition and and just life experiences. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Yeah. So... We'll start as we usually start, so our audience can get a little glimpse into side or inside your sports story, your experiences. So go ahead and chat with us about how you got into sports and where that kind of led you. Yeah. Um, so my sports story starts with really my parents. Um, my parents were both coaches at the um, school that my brother and I ended up going to, but um, my mom was the volleyball coach and taught PE. Um, my dad was a football coach, a baseball coach, uh, and ended up ultimately being the athletic director. Um, so I think it was written in the stars for, for me to go into a sporty path. Um, and, you know, from a young age, since I went to the same school, kindergarten through 12, um, it was kind of part of the dream to grow up and get to play volleyball for my mom um, and really just be connected to her in those ways. Um, I was also really fortunate that my best friends in high school played volleyball. So it was a nice way for us to kind of take our academic day, turn it into a social and athletic piece as well. Um, so that's kind of the roots of how I got started. Um, and then... I think being in the Southern California area, volleyball is such a, you know, a prime sport down here. It's really a hotbed for volleyball, um, really competitive um, elite volleyball, if you will. Um, so I was really fortunate to have really good training growing up, um, probably some of the best training that a young athlete could take advantage of. Um, I played club volleyball for a team. We were called the Spoilers, um, and we started playing club together when we were in second grade. Um, 
and our coaches were so great. Um, we did a lot of low impact training on the beach. They were very mindful about, you know, our growing bodies. Um, but I think what they really instilled in me at a young age, just the, the club program was, um, they used to tell us that like, we're, we're building champions. Um, and I think when you're eight, you don't really know what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes even at 35, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> uh, but it was just so ingrained in us that, you know, we were, we were training to be elite athletes and high achieving athletes and hopefully college athletes one day. Um, so that's kind of like where I started in terms of, I guess, like youth sports. Um, and then I was super fortunate to go on and walk on at UC Riverside. Um, I had some options, but I knew that with my parents, both coaching on, uh, obviously on the West coast, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be able to play locally where they'd be able to come and watch me play. Um, cause with their coaching schedules, uh, travel probably wasn't op like an option for them. Yeah. Uh, so it was important for me to, as I narrowed down my school decisions to be on the West coast, be in the best conference I could possibly be in, um, and have an opportunity to contribute hopefully as a freshman or a sophomore. Um, I wasn't looking into programs where I necessarily had to go be a star. Um, I knew that I would probably be humbled when I showed up. Um, I did not realize how humbled I would be when I showed up. Yeah, I agree. In my experience as well. <laughs> well. It's so funny, too, because I think we had chatted, too, earlier about um, most of the time, like, people that play in college are the best at their high schools. And yeah. you're highly touted and you're highly recruited. And then you show up with everyone else who is the best at their high schools. Um, so again, yeah, that was pretty humbling, but yeah, I was really fortunate to walk on at UC Riverside. Um, and then I ultimately, um, earned a scholarship my sophomore year, which was amazing. And I think not only from a standpoint of <clears throat> the recognition of being a scholarship athlete, um, I think also me really feeling relieved to like take some of the financial burden off of my parents. Um, so I think the accomplishment was, was definitely twofold. Um, they would have figured out a way for me to go to school regardless. That wasn't an issue, but, um, yeah, I think it was just a, an added benefit and something that I, I carried a lot of pride about that I was, you know, mm -hmm. contributing to my own education in that way. Right. Uh, yeah. So I really enjoyed my experience at UC Riverside. I was a libero, um, barely got to play my freshman year again, back to being humbled. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, ended up being a starter. Um, captain, like I said, um, and just had a great experience. So really fortunate. So, uh, so cool. I love hearing all of uh, these sports stories and what's unique and special. And now being on the other side and being mm -hmm. able to reflect and look back and be like, wow, that was an all-encompassing experience, right? So true. From the good and the most amazing times to the the grind of mm -hmm keeping at a sport for that long and yeah. transition to college where you very much are humbled because everyone is at that top level that you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so amazing that you got to stay in the area mm -hmm. yes. so that your parents could, you know, come and watch. And I think that, I think that it has a lot of value. It's when athletes, are in high school and are looking at various colleges, you know, sometimes the, the far away ones or the, the D ones or, you know, sound the most glamorous. Yeah. But there's something so nice. And I, I can somewhat speak to staying local yeah. as well. And I actually really enjoyed it, but I think that 
there's this expectation, you know, to maybe go off and do the big oh, thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. When, when you could have an amazing experience 30 minutes to an hour outside of where yeah. you live. <laughs> And I think that could be part of, you know, being in my role now and, you know, working with like high school athletes and mm-hmm. just kind of hearing some stories about the reasons why people go. You go yeah. for that brand name school, you go maybe for financial reasons. Um, but a big part of, I guess, my specific story was that my parents, my family in general had been such an important part of my athletic experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really important for me to get to share that with them. I was, I was excited that they got to watch me play. My brother could come watch me play. My grandparents could come watch me play. Um, because I think for so many of us, obviously that started kind of at the, that club level or those travel teams, we started pretty young and our parents had been with us the entire time, you know? So it, I think it's kind of nice for parents to get to see that payoff as well. Um, and to just get to share those accomplishments with, with parents, I think can be pretty powerful also. Um, I get that some kids want to leave. I get that that's the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't my dream. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very thankful for um, where I ended up and opportunities that were given to me. So very, very mindful about being grateful for them. Yeah. And that theme, I would say, kind of stuck with you a little bit even after college. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about your transition out of college athletics Yeah, and maybe how you still stayed tied with your sport yeah. through coaching? But yeah, talk about that experience for us. Yeah, um, I, I won't lie. It was a difficult transition out of college athletics or out of athletics in general. Um, I think knowing that my opportunities to go play overseas were, you know, zero to none at, you know, when I really thought about it. I was yeah. too small. Um, they weren't going to take a chance really on somebody my height when they could take a chance on somebody who was maybe 5'10 and could be more of a utility player. Um, so I think I started preparing for the transition going into my senior year, to be honest, yeah. about what this would look like for me. Um, and I think I'm very mindful too of, I love school. I love academics. I knew that there was going to be something for me beyond sport. Um, while it was probably going to be an uncomfortable transition, I I knew that life was going to be on the other side. I just didn't know what it was going to look like yet. Um, So as I transitioned into my senior year, I I really had to do a lot of soul searching. And we talked about um, in our previous phone call too, about how I especially wanted to like transition out in a healthy manner. Um, I know we talked about too, just um, some of my challenges with eating and experiencing um, the female athlete triad. Um, I, am assuming that most listeners will know it's like, you know, it's, there's disordered eating and amenorrhea and osteoporosis. And I was experiencing all of that. Um, while nothing is textbook, I think in the the mental health world, I feel like I was pretty textbook. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up breaking my thumb. I broke my foot. I hurt my back. It was, it was a lot and it was overwhelming. Um, and I think that that's one of the maybe the challenges that people can relate to in especially female sports, female athletes, of the body image, knowing that you're a role model for young girls on the outside, but struggling with what you have going on in the inside. um, That that was just like a a battle that I fought with myself for many years prior to college athletics also, but I feel like it was heightened during my college experience. Mm. Um, And that is nothing about the program. It's nothing about what our coaches or trainers were doing. That was just something that I was grappling with. Um, So going into my senior year, I I made a concerted effort that I would transition out as healthy as possible. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I had to do a lot of personal work and work with our sports psychologist a little bit around some of those issues. Um, but again, I knew that sport was going to be over, that I needed to be a functioning, healthy adult on the other side. Um, and there was dreams that I had and things I wanted to do. So that, that healthy transition, I know I keep repeating that was like super important to me though. Um, and then I knew I wanted to still be around athletes. So I graduated from UCR with my degree in sociology. Um, and then I knew that I wanted to continue coaching. And around that time, my dad had taken a new job as a athletic director at a different school. Um, and he asked me to come coach volleyball for him, which I gladly accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to coach high school volleyball for a couple of years. And while I was doing that, I was getting my master's in marriage and family therapy because um, I thought it would be a perfect blend for me to do school counseling while mm-hmm. getting to coach. Um, and it ended up being the perfect blend. So I coached club for a little bit, coached high school for a couple of years, um, and then really went into the throes of teaching at a school that um, focused on mild to moderate learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of became my new passion. Um, I also did, um, it's called applied behavior analysis with um, younger kids on the spectrum. Um, So I did a lot of behavior therapy with um, kids with autism. Um, And then I think at that point, my, I'm trying to think, I enjoyed coaching, not for the love of coaching necessarily, but because it was a way that I could connect with kids. It was a way that I could connect with female athletes. It was mostly a vehicle for me to be of service still. Um, And it just happened to be through the lens of coaching. Um, So I knew that my next passion post college athletics would be service and how I could serve others and how I could serve um, female athletes, how I could serve females that weren't feeling as empowered. Um, those were kind of all the, the spots I wanted to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So then I ended up taking a job at the school where my dad actually worked as the athletic director, um, as the school counselor, um, mm-hmm. and the learning specialist. And I absolutely loved it. It didn't allow time to coach necessarily. Um, but it allowed me to still be in, in a role of service. Um, I missed, I missed a chunk of when I coached with my mom. Mm Want to rewind? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Okay. Um, So prior to, while I was, after grad school, um, I worked again in like some of those service fields for a while. And then um, my mom actually got sick um, and she had to take a year off of coaching. Um, And when she was ready to go back to coach, and my mom has been at the school forever. She ended up retiring two years ago after 35 years. So it was never an issue if if she was going to get to go back to coach when she was well. Um, It was just more when she would go back to coach. Um, So she took a year off. And then the following year, she was healthy enough to go back and coach. Um, But I think she was maybe nervous. Um, I don't even know what word would be to describe it. Her and I have never really sorted that part out. But um, she asked if I wanted to go back and coach with her, um, which I was thrilled about doing. Um, I know we had talked about, too, it it can be a challenge to play for a parent. Um, I think the challenges are when are you mom and when are you coach? And as your daughter, but as an athlete, am I getting playing time because I'm your daughter or because I deserve playing time? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of that was more outward facing, like people having things to say about that, not really things that we need to sort through. Um, But it was definitely an experience to get to play for her and like a privilege and one that I think a few people get to do. So I was really honored to do so. Um, and it presented its challenges. Um, but the idea of going back to coach with her was, was 
awesome. Um, I think it was a really, I know we talked about too, just the group of girls that we got to coach for, you know, we, it ended up spanning six years. I was just going to help her for one year and I helped her for six. Uh, The group of girls that we got to coach was just this magical group of athletes and just this magical group of young women. Um, I talked to one of them really a lot, like still. Um, but I remember when she was in high school, I was always talking about not knowing what, um, it necessarily meant, but that entire group just had this magical it factor. Mm. Um, and the first year back when my mom came back after being sick and we were coaching together, um, we ended up winning CIF, which Mm. is something like I like coveted as an athlete myself. And if someone were to ask me now, you know, what would have been cooler getting to win a CIF championship on your own or win that one with your mom? And I'm just getting emotional thinking about it. Um, that one with my mom, like hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, I mean, when we chatted on the phone and you told me this story, I was like walking around <laughs> campus because I work at, at yeah. I was like walking around and like found a bench to sit at and you told me this story and just like the magic of that team the magic of you know being able to work with your mom I was like literally chills the entire time and I'm like yes this is so much of what sport is Mm -hmm. about right especially for those of us that have had the opportunity to do sport all of our lives Mm -hmm. and I love hearing about your journey and how all of those pieces they fit right or they led you to something else or this piece connected here and looking back on our journeys I feel like we can always connect the dots right there's that like you can connect the dots when you look backwards not forward yeah um but let's I love this concept and we chatted very briefly about it but you mentioned that sport can be a vehicle for healing and I think that exists on so many levels, but especially for you on like a personal level yeah. and healing, you know, through, you know, some of those, the health challenges you faced in mm-hmm. college and healing through, you know, transitioning out and then healing with your mom. Right. So the, it's, it's wow. a theme all the way through. And when you first mentioned that to me, it was like a light bulb. I was like, Oh my God gosh, like there's so much here. And I'm so happy that you have kind of identified that sport could be a healing vehicle. So go ahead and share um, what your thoughts are regarding this concept that you've kind of created. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it goes back to, again, prior to my mom going back and coaching that year and me getting to coach with her was probably one of the most difficult years of you know, our family's life, uh, our lives. And um, we are definitely a close knit family, as I've described, you know, just like all growing up together and super tied together by sports. So it was a really challenging year. Um, and my mom is like superwoman, So we knew that she was going to be okay. It was just, I think us wondering also, would things still be the same? Where would, you know, her identity is also tied into sport. Yeah. Um, how, how would that maybe shift? Um, and I just think, you know, her showing up to practice and how excited the girls were to see her. Um, I think it was also tied into that, like the power of community, 
um, and just the supportive community that sport breeds, um, I think it can be really competitive and I think it can at times get kind of nasty. And I think this is a perfect situation, a perfect example of how it can be really magical and beautiful as well. Um, and again, I talked to a lot of those girls that were on those teams over the course of those years. Um, and you know, part of me thinks like they were teenage girls and they were just there to play and they weren't really sure of what was going on. But a bigger part of me, I feel like in my core knows that they knew exactly what was going on. And I don't know, I'm still getting choked up about it. Um, they knew exactly what was going on and they just had something maybe a little bit bigger to play for. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the parents of those athletes, maybe that put things in perspective. And some of this is speculation and some of this has been confirmed. Yeah. Uh, just put things in perspective that maybe when you take away that winning is the most important thing, mm -hmm. uh, winning becomes a byproduct of that. You refocus on, you know, the time that you're spending together, you refocus on the skills that you're learning for being an athlete. You're refocusing on how those translate to, you know, me and my mom really hoping that we were like shaping young women when we were coaching them. Yeah. Uh, and maybe when we put the focus on those things and the focus on, again, just like togetherness and having fun and laughing, um, to be honest, like winning became pretty easy that year. It was, wow. we were literally unbeatable. Um, and it just flowed. And um, one of our athletes too at that time, Jillian Parks, um, she just had kind of coined this term for us about even if we kind of like got off path a little bit off track and we needed to like reignite this fire in our belly. Mm -hmm. um, and we still kind of joke about it now. My mom references it now um, about, you know, like keeping that fire in your belly. Like what is that made up of? It's made up of passion for sport and love of your team and togetherness with an empowered group of young women. Mm -hmm. um, again. Yeah. I think when we refocused on those things consciously or not, the byproduct is winning. And again, we wow. were, we were, basically unbeatable that year and for a couple years afterwards. Um, and I, I'm very mindful too, to be really thankful to those families and those girls. And when I talk to them, I still thank them. Um, and they were so great. So when my mom retired, I compiled a book of uh, just kind of thank you letters to my mom over the past so cool. 35 years of her coaching. And that spans from, you know, Olympians like Holly McPeak wrote an entry for her because my mom coached her in middle school to um, myself. Obviously I wrote something. My dad wrote something having been obviously her colleague. Um, mm -hmm. My brother wrote something. And then a lot of those girls on those teams wrote something and they all referenced just what a, what a beautiful year that was. And um, yeah, I think just a change in perspective from kind of the, maybe some of the dark side of sports to the, again, that healing power of sports and, and community and what can come when you maybe focus on different parts of it. Right. And you mentioned like this, this flow, right? If yeah. when, when everything gets into alignment mm -hmm. from your team to uh, your mindset to, you know, those mentors that you have or those coaches like yourself and realizing that we all get this amazing opportunity to play sport mm -hmm. and that winning, like you said, is a byproduct of all of those other aspects of sport, especially when they're all in alignment. Like that is the best feeling when, when the team is driving, when like in your heart, there's, it's truly just that fire, mm -hmm. like you said, in your heart. Yeah. And 
I'm just like sitting here processing all of it and remembering times in my sport career where mm -hmm. that was the case. Yeah. Where everything was in flow um, and jiving and there was nothing that could really like stop you. If yeah. that, you know, I, yeah. I'm sure you felt the same and you were just on this incredible high. Um, and at some points, even though the winning happened naturally, mm -hmm. There were points where it may not have even really, you know, mattered, right? Because, because everything had just fallen into place. So I just, I love uh, that experience, like in wow. your life and how, how kind of like full circle mm -hmm. it is as well. Yeah. And, you know, I know at least now and kind of like transitioning to what you do now, your space is a lot in, you know, wellness and working with athletes and you are still very much a coach, like innately a, a coach in everything that you do now. And I know for a fact that your history and your experiences have put you exactly where you need to be and the, the type of coach that you are and just the, the mentor that you are to yeah. these young athletes. So chat a little bit about some of the things that you do now yeah. and how that's tied in with wellness on a variety of levels. Yeah. Um, so yes to everything you just said. And I wanted to make a quick note that in, in that magical season, there would be some days or some games where my mom and I would just be sitting next to each other on the bench. And normally I like to sit at the end of the bench and she mm -hmm. would, sit at the, we would sit at opposite ends. Mm -hmm. I want to see things defensively. She likes to think, see things more offensively. Um, but there'd be times where we'd be sitting together. And again, the girls would just be flowing so well. We would sit there like, we're not doing anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> time out to make it look like we're involved like there, like there was moments of like you might not need us you know, it was yeah. and we would laugh and we'd be like what should we say something to somebody but there was times where they didn't need us and that's also beautiful too you know you don't want my mom was very mindful about you don't coach during games you coach during practice so mm -hmm. she did feedback during games you'll call the occasional timeout like strategically but like game time is not the time that you're going to reinvent the wheel or change your offense or defense right. Um, but it just made me think of that funny moment of we'd have moments of like, they don't really need us. They're fine. Just keep going. Do you girls? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so funny. Um, I just have the biggest smile too. When I think about those girls, I just love them so much, um, for what they basically gave to my mom mm -hmm. um, and earned for my mom. Right. Um, so yes. Okay. So now I am, yes, very much still involved in health and wellness, um, as many avenues as I can possibly be a part of that encourage female empowerment. Um, so what I'm doing right now is twofold. So I transitioned out of my school counseling job. Um, I love the school setting. And I think in a school counselor role, you just see that there's so many more things you could be doing that the school day puts some constraints around. So first off, one of the first things that I do, um, I am luckily, lucky to be a part of this awesome gym down here in the South Bay. It's called the Blueprint LA, um, and we are a strength and conditioning-based facility um, run by, managed by, coached by a lot of former college athletes. Um, a couple of the boys played football at San Jose State, um, high-achieving athletes, awesome guys. Um, 
have some water polo in our blood, um, some soccer in our blood. Um, and I think it speaks a lot to who we are as a facility because many of us are former college athletes. That mm -hmm. impacts the way that we come to work every day. That impacts the way that we are pay insane attention to detail and the member experience that we provide is top notch. And again, I think a lot of our, our great points are because where our, you know, I guess our values are rooted in sport. Um, and I don't think all facilities have built the culture or the community that we've built. Um, we're very mindful that we're trying to, not we're trying, we are training our members like athletes. It's not you show up and you work out this way, you show up and you work out this way. We're training like athletes. Um, and then my second part, it, it kind of flows very naturally into, I have a private practice called um, Inspire Wellness. Um, and my, my aim through that is that holistic wellness, I firmly believe is the best way to approach health and wellness. Um, I don't necessarily think that there's one way to be healthy or well. Um, I think it's through fitness and nutrition, and I think it's through empowerment, and I think it's through advocacy. Um, and I think the unique aspect that I add to my wellness practice is I also do an academic, academic success portion. Um, so there are a multitude of ways to inspire wellness. And the majority of the people that I serve in my private practice are teenagers. Mm -hmm. uh, I think some of that's rooted in Again, I love school and I love learning, but I had a tough time in high school and going to a pretty elite private college prep school. It's, you know, are my skills on point? Like, how smart is everybody else? Where am I at in the class? Mm -hmm. I can empathize with the high school struggle. Yeah. Um, and then I really just like teenagers. I think they um, are so insightful and have so much to bring to the table. And I think sometimes we forget to listen to them. And yeah play it off as like, but you're still kids and they're, they're walking this fine line of not really being kids anymore. And they're learning to be accountable for their actions and supports that they allow and their academic success and their athletic success. Um, so the academic piece falls under that umbrella as well. Um, and then coaching wellness coaching for athletes. So if that's mental skills coaching, if that's dealing with, you know, um, performance anxiety, if that's dealing with um, female athletes, again, struggling with female athlete triad. Um, I haven't worked with any young men yet around disordered eating or eating disorders, but um, my practice would be open to that as well. Um, so it's really kind of multifaceted. Um, and then it circles back full circle again because the, the personal training I do through my private practice happens at Blueprint LA. I wouldn't want my personal training portion of my business to happen at another facility because I also know that the facility in itself is empowering um, and healing and nurturing and community-based and has a great culture. Um, so that's kind of my nice little, my package deal. <laughs> I love it because everything flows into the next, right? Mm -hmm. It is pretty, pretty seamless, at least from me on the outside looking in that all of these pieces are a part of like that holistic approach mm -hmm. and not only holistic for those that you work with but holistic for you too like these are the aspects of your life that you love and you have created this business and this connection with uh, BPLA right mm -hmm. and it's it fits you which is so cool and so inspiring uh, for you know I think a lot of us looking to create our lives mm -hmm. and taking aspects of what we truly enjoy and how we want to serve and 
tying those all together and making sure that that we're incorporating those mm -hmm. in our life in some capacity, no matter how big or small they are initially. But I would love to hear, you know, maybe some of your favorite moments of either working at mm -hmm. BPLA or nice. with like some of your clients, like your top, top moments that you're just like, this is why I'm here and this yeah. is who I'm meant to serve. Yeah. Um, so I think in, again, previous life coaching, like literally coaching volleyball, right. that, that magical CIF year takes the cake. There's just, I, I don't, I have, I am excited to one day experience something that might be better than that. So uh, <laughs> that really takes the gold medal right Yeah, now. right. Um, I think, I mean, this is gonna be just an overgeneralization, but I think it's any moment when you're working with a client and you are not giving advice because I'm very mindful. I don't give advice in my role. I'm pretty reflective, like a sounding board. And I want my, especially the kids that I work with to kind of come to the conclusions on their own with some processing. Right. Um, but that just aha moment when they get it, of mm. it clicks and kind of back to that sports idea of flow and things are just, you know, flowing for them. Um, the same way when they have that aha moment academically and something clicks for them and just keep, connecting them that same way when you're, you know, training or you're coaching a strength and conditioning class or a small group or, you know, an individual uh, training session and somebody gets their body to do something that they didn't think they could do. When somebody does their first pull up, when somebody, you know, hits a PR and a dead, uh, a deadlift, when somebody had challenged themselves and set it up like a priority or a goal to lose, you know, X amount of pounds and they, and they hit that or their body fat percentage is down or their skeletal muscle mass is up. Mm -hmm. um, and they just have this moment of Lindsay, you told me I could do this. I told you at the beginning, I didn't believe you and look what I did. Yeah. And I think that, that, that moment too. And that's something that I want to be really mindful of about. I think we talked about this on the phone and I'm getting excited talking about it is, you know, leaders don't always lead from the front. Coaches don't necessarily need to coach from the front. Right. So when you have these moments and people feel like, look what I did all on my own, even though there was a level of coaching, that's what I want them to feel. I want them to feel that they didn't need me because I don't want to be needed forever. Um, and that's part of why I think Blueprint is pretty apropos for the gym name about like, how can we lay the foundation for you to be in charge of your health and wellness, for you to take this and pass it along, for, for you to be accountable for it. Um, let us be a part of your community still and let us guide you in certain ways, but how you take ownership of it. But yeah. I think the generalized generalization of just that, like, I did it moment when you see somebody light up for whatever reason it may be, yeah. it's just so empowering. It's so powerful because you know, I've had those moments and I have mentors that I think for those things. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and spot, I had like a bright spot the other day that, I mean, I, I think again in the, in the South Bay community, like there's there's a lot of athletes. I mean, the Lakers are here. The Angels are pretty local. The Dodgers are here. You see athletes coming and going. Um, and again, with like the Holly McPeaks and the Carrie Walshes, that's just a, a normal part of South Bay culture, seeing people out and about like that and high achieving athletes. But uh, a bright spot in terms of training was we had the um, U.S. men's water polo team into the facility. They've been working out at the gym for the past seven or eight weeks. Um, yeah. and a few weeks ago, we got to train them for two days. We got to coach them back to back days. Um, 
And I think all of us as coaches, one looked around like, when did we become people that were going to train Olympic athletes? Like, <laughs> kind of rad. Um, and two, uh, which might have been like the highlight of a lot of our lives, when they broke it down in the huddle and they said USA, like we uh. were <laughs> for America. And we weren't just saying Torrance or California or, you know, UC Riverside, which are all awesome. Like we got to break it down with soon to be hopeful Olympians and say USA. And I don't think any of us had ever said USA that loud. Um, so that was, that's, that's another magical moment. Oh my goodness. Again, sports has provided me. It's just, it's silly. I'm, I'm so very lucky and so very fortunate. Oh, I love it. And for the, the Her Sports Story uh, community listening, like Lindsay's face just lightened <laughs> up during that whole segment, biggest smile and so much good energy coming through my computer. Yay. And hand gestures. Right. I love it. Oh, so cool. Well, I am just like, I'm so in awe. And like when we, when we chat and even right now, you just have this amazing energy that vibrates out. And I like, my energy is for sure elevated right now. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I, it, but it's so fitting. Like it's so fitting for everything, you know, through your story, through those experiences that you've had through to what you do now, it, it, it all aligns and flows very nicely. So before we kind of like ask our final question that we usually do here on the Her Sports Story podcast, I would love for you to share where people can find you and connect with you. Yeah. So my Instagram is, um, at Lindsay underscore Drennan. Um, and then my website is www.theinspirewellness.com. Um, so my, I'm pretty active on my Instagram with posts and, um, I do a lot of like breathing techniques through my Instagram. I do a lot of breath work with my clients, um, whether it's, you know, managing anxiety or stress or improving sleep. Um, so I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, and then the rest of my services are noted on my, um, on my website. Amazing. Yeah. And those will be in the show notes as well, linked so they can head to the show notes and, and get it right there from their phones. Love it. Thank you. Of course. So our, our final question here, I have this vision and I frame this question differently every now and then, but I would love for this type of kind of like event to exist where athletes who have left their sport or who have just retired and, you know, all the excitement of maybe graduating is done and, you know, completing college. And then they find themselves in this space where they're like, okay, I'm not a student anymore. I'm supposed to be an adult yet. I miss my sport so much and my identity is a little different now. So at this event, we'd have just, a multitude of speakers like yourself and these breakouts where you would be able to just like impart some advice in this very like uncertain transition. Yeah. So what, what insight would you provide to these athletes just, you know, kind of leaving their sport? Yeah. Um, I think, and I mean, this might sound cliche, but I think Looking back now, I, while I knew that there would be life after sport, 
um, I would have appreciated somebody on the other side of it telling me that and right. reminding me that you're not going to feel this way and you're going to be lost and you're going to think maybe your employment opportunities are finite and they're not going to be. Um, the, the skills and the character traits and the values that you developed through your sport will carry you way beyond, I feel like, some of the other skills, character traits that, you know, just, if you just would have gone to college as a student, you know, it's right. a little bit differently. Um, so you are prepared for this quote unquote real world. Um, and to, I think we talked about this on the phone too. I had asked somebody a couple years ago, so I was still like 32 or 33. At what point do people not care that I played volleyball in college anymore? Um, and you know, I, I reflected on it after we talked and I guess it doesn't really matter because I care and that's yeah. something that I carry with me. So while you're transitioning out of your sport, you're not necessarily having to recreate this whole new persona for yourself. You are who you are. You were an awesome, awesome athlete. You're probably an awesome person. You will be an awesome employee. Um, so just reminding yourself to let yourself be amazing and let yourself be awesome and try not to hold yourself back just because sport is over. Mm. Um, and maybe really thinking about the part of sport and your part of your athletic um, experience that you really loved and how you can capitalize on those parts. So yes, I love playing volleyball and I love being around strong women. I love feeling empowered. I love community. I love being a part of a team. I love leading a team what kind of, you know, employment opportunities or just even post-college opportunities are available to you that you can still capitalize on, on those identifying features, not just the sport itself. Um, but yeah, really that there's life after sport and there's, there's so many more years ahead of you um, to recreate a new identity and, you know, weave sport and a lot of those traits into it. But um, there's just so much to look forward to and so much to look back on and reflect on and be very grateful and thankful for. Um, but even more amazing things to come. So. Well, I think we can just mic drop that there because <laughs> that was said so beautifully. And I think that wraps the perfect bow around our conversation. And I'm so excited that when we were able to chat and connect, and as I always say, like this is only the beginning wow. of all of this and creating uh, the Her Sports Story community and building up and empowering this group of former female athletes. So thank you so much for being here today. Yes, thank you so much. This was, this was awesome.